0: Today we are so privileged to hear from Julie Correll, one of our very own, and she is also the executive director of First Steps Women's Ministry. We're going to learn a little more about First Steps and the wonderful things they are doing in Springfield. Thank you. When Brooke first came into First Step, she was scared, she was alone, and she already had two children and she was a single mother. So when she stepped into First Step, she didn't know what her options were. She didn't know what she was going to do next. All she knew is that there was a fear that overwhelmed her. And one of the wonderful things that First Step does is they take you by the hand and they say, okay, it's okay to be scared. We understand that there are a lot of pressures on you right now with finances, with being alone, with raising a third child. And we walk you through that process. And we say, these are some options for you. There is adoption, there is keeping this baby. And then we give her resources and we say to her, you know what, if you need health care, we can, we can point you in the right direction. If you need some free diapers or you need a crib, we can point you in the right direction. If you need a church to go to, we will point you in the right direction. Not one of those ladies leaves first step without getting all of that information. And not only that, while they are there, not only do we take care of their physical, because we are a medical clinic. But we take care of their um, emotions. We take care of their spirit. We're able to talk to them about God. We're able to see where they are and if they want to accept Christ. And we're also able to pray with them in that time. But then we do the medical side as well. We offer STD testing, we offer pregnancy tests, and our most effective tool is we offer ultrasounds and I have seen lady after lady who comes in there who thinks, I don't know if I want this baby, maybe abortion is my best option, and they say, you know what, that's a baby, I see a baby there, and we have that heartbeat display for just a moment, and they hear that that is a baby inside of them. It is an honor to be a part of First Step. It is an honor to be a part of ladies' lives every day just like Brooke, that come into our facility. Um, my name is Julie Carell, and um, you, some of you might recognize me because this is my home church, and it is so great to be here in my own home church speaking to you about what I get to do every day. and. Um uh, my husband is actually the youth pastor, and so we have the privilege, privilege every week to get to hang out with your students and get to worship God with them every day. And I every Wednesday, and you know, I got to tell you, these guys go after God. This is not just a hangout time. This is not just uh, games. This is um, I've seen these students speak into my life, speak into each other's lives. So never doubt these students that sit right here, because they have amazing callings on their life, and they actually. Um, speak into a lot of people 's lives every day, so it 's an honor to be here today and i 'm actually the new executive director of first step women 's Center. as a lot of you know, we moved here about two and a half years ago, and it was really interesting because in our last place we lived was in Nebraska, and um, I went to my husband about a year before we moved, and I said, I really feel like god 's calling us to move and It was kind of a shock because we both loved our jobs. At the time, my husband was working um, in the district office for the Assembly of God in the youth department, and I was a youth pastor at a local church. And we both stopped and we went, no, wait a minute. We love our jobs here. We can't go. And God just began to work on our hearts, going, no, it's time to go. It's, t- it's time. And as the year went on, we're like, no, we really feel like it is time to go. So we, um, we were faithful to that call, and we are faithful to come here as God called us. And we moved here, it would be three years ago in um, September, and in that amount of time, God has really just had me in a holding spot. My husband's job, he was loving it. It was going strong, and my kids were getting involved, my two younger ones in the academy and my oldest at Evangel in Springfield, Missouri, and they were all just having a wonderful time. And for the last about two and a half years, I keep praying daily, 100 times some days, God, why am I here? (laughs) Because I felt like I was the only one who was not finding my place. And I say that today to you because I know that there are probably people out here going, God, why do I feel like I'm just on a holding pattern? You've spoken all these things to me, and I'm just asking God, why am I here? And I know so many of you guys prayed for me throughout that two and a half years, and I just want to thank you because prayer works. And In those two and a half years, I worked in some medical facilities and did not love them, and then this came along. And um, it actually came along because Kaylee, Pastor Mark's daughter, um, started working there, and Pastor Mark and Renee called me up one day, and they said, We found the perfect job for you! And I said, Yeah, I've heard this before. I was a little doubtful after two and a half years, and um, in that process of going through this and uh, the connection through Kaylee, um, it ended up being the perfect job for me, and I just praise God for that, and I thank you for all of your prayers. So I get to be a part of these ladies who walk into First Step every day, and they come in, and they're hurting, and they feel hopeless, and we get to take them by the hand and just say, you know what, I know where you can find hope and we can help you through this process. Our mission statement is to be the first step for women facing an unplanned pregnancy, transforming their fear into confidence and empowering them to make healthy, life-affirming decisions. Let me give you just a few of the stats of what happened at First Step in 2018. 2018, we saw many women And out of those, 164 that came into us were at risk for abortion. That means at one point, they were thinking of abortion uh, throughout their pregnancy. With that number, 164, 131 of them chose life after coming to us. And this is what I love about that. It's not just a number, it's not just 131 that we would look at in in a company if I ran a business. But that's 131 lives. 131 lives are here on Earth that had other plans. 131, it's not just a number, but it's lives. And you know what, we're on track in 2018 to reach even more women this year. First step is actually making a difference for life. 131. One person put it this way. That's seven energetic classes of kindergartners in five years. Let me tell you about Ellen. The first week I worked at First Step, I met Ellen. She's one of our volunteers. She sits at the front, and she's one of our receptionists. And we actually run a lot of First Step based on volunteers. And uh, I was talking to Ellen, and I said, Ellen, you know what makes you so passionate about First Step? Why do you keep coming week after week? And she said, you know what? Let me tell you my story. She said, when I was younger, my sister and I were very close. And when we just graduated from high school, she was raped and she ended up having an abortion. And she said, I saw my sister for year after year after year hurt because of that abortion. And she said, my sister passed away about two years ago. And she said, I come here every day to honor her to say, I've seen what abortion does. The thing is, at First Step, we don't wanna just make a political stand and say we're against abortion. But we really wanna say, what does abortion do to a life? And that's why we care. Because not only does it take the child's life, but it also hurts and wounds that woman for years and years. Another thing we offer at First Step is abortion recovery. And we have seen, I have seen since I began working, that there is woman after woman who's had an abortion, and they have hidden it for years, and they have so much pain because of it. And you know what? We have a program for you, too, because we love you. We want to see you do well, and we want to see healing. So if any of those things are something that you are interested in, if you know someone who's just um, realized that they are going through an unplanned pregnancy, or if you've had an abortion and you need someone to talk to about that, um, we have all those resources for you. In fact, we also need volunteers. So they're gonna put up a few things of what you can come and help us with. We need all sorts of volunteers at First Step. We need people who are hands-on with our patients. We have what we call advocates, and they literally walk the patient from the very beginning to the very end of their appointment. And they never leave their side. They hold their hand through crying. They pray with them when they need prayer. And then we also need many different areas. Uh, Maybe you want to just be in the background, so you want to help with bulk mail, or you want to help mow the lawn, or we really need someone to help um, make meals occasionally for the staff when we have to be there all day without a break. If any of those things interest you, if it's tugging at your heart right now, um, actually, Kaylee, Kaylee, if you just wave, um, most of you know Kaylee, but she's going to be standing right out here at our table at the end of the service. If you are interested in any of those things or just want more information, just go out there and find her at the end of the service. I also would really love um, to start something new at First Step. A lot of times we can get the mothers after they've had their babies to bring them back in and we call it a baby visit. And in that time, we give them gifts, and I would love to find um, some ladies that would love to make quilts for these, for these babies. I just remember the quilts that my grandmother would make me and how special they were to me, and I just would love to find, if there's anyone who feels like that is what God has called you to do, please, um, please come find us. I would love to have some quilts to hand out to these babies. Um, but you can talk to Kaylee, she is our patient services director, right afterwards, right in the foyer. You know, Jesus says he knew us and he formed us in our mother's womb. Jesus cares about babies. He formed you while you were still in your mother's womb. In fact, in Luke one forty one, it says, right here on the screen says at the sound of Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let that sink in for just a second. It was an unborn child was the first one to recognize the importance of Jesus. Babies are important. John the Baptist, the child that that Elizabeth was carrying was one of the first ones to recognize the importance of the baby that Mary was carrying, that was Jesus. God uses the smallest to the biggest. Let me tell you about a time. I used to be a children's pastor. That was the first, um, the first place we lived. And I got to tell you, those kids get Jesus. You know, um, I, I appreciate what Pastor Tom does here. He does an amazing job. And uh, those kids, they just understand. You know what it says in the Bible to come at me like a child? I really totally get it because they're just open to anything Jesus wants. Where we try to complicate things along the way in our minds. But um, a friend of mine, Lindsay, uh, she was, um, had been married for seven years and they had been trying to have a child for several years and it just wasn't happening. And Mother's Day was coming up and she was, feeling, uh, she was just feeling down. It's hard to have Mother's Day when you're trying to have a child. She decides to go to church anyway and um, all of these kids come running out of children's church and they all have Mother's Day cards in their hand and they come running by her and her heart sinks a little bit. And one little girl who she did not know walks up to her and says, here, this is for you. Happy Mother's Day. And she goes, no, 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 don't you want to give that to your mom? She goes, no, I've got one for my mom right here. This one's for you. And she said, but I'm not a mom. And she said, yeah, you are, and handed it to her. The next month, Lindsay found out she was having a baby. God uses children. God values all ages. There's something about our society that has this age limit. Like you're not important until you're about 18 and then you lose your importance, you know, somewhere along the line. And that is not God's system at all. From the minute you are in your mother's womb, you are important to the minute you breathe your last breath. You are important to God. What would our society look like if we start to believe that? That we are valued and God wants to use us. What would our society look like if we began to treat each other like that? Every person we encounter, you are valued. You have a purpose of God. We need each other. Church is a place where we come to learn. It's a place where we come to deepen our relationship with God. But church is also family. The world can defeat us so easily, and we need the people around us. That's the person sitting right next to you. That's the person sitting in front of you and behind you. You need those people around you, every one of us. We need you all to be team players, not one of us just a taker, but also a giver. We are family. And for some in this room, it is the only family that we have. And in others in this room, it's just a great addition to the family that they do have. Wherever you may fall, I just want to let you know we need you. Don't exclude yourself because you think you're not good enough and you think we don't want you. No matter what your past is, no matter what your current situation, we need you. And don't exclude yourself because you don't want any more family. Because although you think you don't need us, we still need you. So today I want to talk about the heart of family. Many years ago, God started to put on my heart the importance of family. And not just my own family, but families everywhere. And here's the thing families look different no matter where you are. I don't believe because you're single that you don't have a family. I don't believe because you're a widower that you don't have a family. I absolutely believe that families just come in all shapes and sizes. And I have a heart to see families that are healthy no matter what your family looks like. And by no means do I have it figured out. In fact, let me share a story with you that some of you might, may have heard at the, uh, one of our ladies' things. But when I was raising my children, they're all older now, but my youngest, Aiden, has always been my challenger. And so as he grew up, I was reading all of the books, you know, and I was doing all the things people were telling me to do. And everybody kept saying to me, You Have to Get Strong-Wheeled Child by James Dobson. So I got that book. It's a fantastic book. Trust me. It has some great tips. But let me tell you what happened with me in that book. So I read the book, and it says on the book, it says, put a spoon somewhere where he can always see it. So I put it on his dresser. And they said, "When when he is naughty, spank him with that spoon, and then put him back on the dresser and point to it. So eventually, you can just say, do we need to get the spoon? And he starts doing what he's supposed to do. So we try this for many weeks. And I'm not seeing much happen through it. And one night I go into his bedroom because this spoon is supposed to stay on his dresser. And he is cuddling it while he sleeps. (laughs) And I wanted to take him to James Dobson and say, you are an expert, but what do you do about this? I just want to share with you some things that God has shown me. Um, If I asked in this room, what is the most valuable thing in your life? I would hope after your relationship with Christ, you would say your family. I also know this. There is an attack on families. I'm not a person who believes that there is a demon under every rock, but I absolutely know that there is a God and there is a devil, and I absolutely know that they are both at work in this world. But I absolutely know who is the winner and who holds the power. But I want to tell you the devil wants to destroy and tear apart your family. That is his only goal. He wants to tear apart your marriage. He wants to tear apart the relationship with your children. And even if you are an empty nester, he wants to tear apart the relationship you have with your adult children. Don't be conceived that he won't come against your family, that you're the only family that he will not come against. The very way he destroys and wins is by separating. He wants to pluck us out one by one there's a great verse I believe in the Bible that explains exactly why this is if you'd put that verse up for me it says Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered together at, as my followers I am there among them he will do everything to separate and prevent the family from gathering it is his greatest fear that we continue gathering and Jesus is among us That's because this this scripture doesn't have any age limits on it. It doesn't say if you're a single mom and you have a two-year-old, that doesn't count. It does not say that that where two or three are gathered, there's God unless you're this age. It says where there are two or three gathered, there he is among them. That doesn't have to be in the walls of a church. That can be in your home. That can be right there with your spouse, right there with your child, and say, I'm here to gather, and I know you are among us, Jesus. Families are important, and they're being threatened. And the enemy is creating a society that pushes us to split the family. There's a confusion of what family looks like and will be like, and in all ways, we try to do what's right for our family. I believe every one of us is trying to do what's right for our family but we're really, trying to, we're really ending up separating and pulling apart our family. For many of us, it is just like a show I had seen once, and it is called The Million Dollar Listing. And really what it is, is we've put our families for sale. Now, The Million Dollar Listing is a show where they have these big, beautiful homes and they show you all about them, and then they list them for sale and sell them for millions of dollars. Well, I kind of feel like that's what we're doing with our families, and we don't even know it. Because this is so valuable to us, our family is so valuable, but yet we're putting them for sale, and we're selling them for almost nothing. It's such a small price. We're willing to bend, stretch, separate, pull apart our families. To do what, God, what people say is right. Man, we're such an opinionated society. And at any moment when we're doing something with our family, we'll get an opinion on whether someone thinks that's the right thing to do or not. And we end up pulling apart our families just to make people happy. Or maybe because it's what's convenient and easy because we're so tired. Or what just feels right at the time. We can sell our family time for what we think is best for our family, but it's really dividing our family. Two things that we cannot sell our family for. Don't sell your family for busyness. Busyness is the word right now that that is so important because there is something, some kind of value we get out of saying when someone says, how are you doing? And we say, busy. There is something we get out of that. And you know what? The enemy keeps wanting to go, these are all great things. These are good things you're doing, but you're so busy. The devil knows how to take good activities and turn them into what breaks your family. Life can get busy with everyone's schedule. Sports, jobs, choir, clubs, practices, work, friends, and on and on. If you're not connecting to each other, you're being divided if you have no family time, if you have no time with your spouse, if you have no time with your aging parents, if you have no time with your babies, you're being separated. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. Balance is always good. If you're not having time, number one, with your family, but most importantly, with God, you're too busy. It's time to cut some things out of your life. Number two, don't sell your family for the world's ways. We've convinced ourselves, especially parents of teenagers and young kids, we've, that we'll deprive our children if we don't get them everything that they need. That we followed a lie that's strong enough to stand out. We don't, my kid isn't strong enough to stand out. I just want my child to fit in. It's going to be too hard if they don't fit in throughout school. Let me ask you, have you raised a strong child? Because we are not creating our children to fit in. That is not the call of God on our lives. I have seen on playgrounds the child that rushes over to the child that's hurt and says, let me pray for you. It's a child who stands out. I have seen in teenagers the one that says, God's told me I'm not ready to date. And all the other girls go, oh, what's wrong with her? Have you raised your child strong enough to stand out? Because that's what God wants. He doesn't need a bunch of followers. He needs people to stand up for who he is. In fact, it says in Deuteronomy... It says, you have been set apart as holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. This is just one of the times in the Bible that God talks about us being set apart. And then after this, he gave many um, many, uh, ways that we need to be set apart. And he does that many times throughout the word. God is calling us to be set apart. Not once does he say, make sure they fit in and that they never have any hurt. Make sure that they never go through anything difficult. Are our families set apart for the Lord? Do we love each other? You would think so. I mean, in a family, you say, yeah, yeah, we love each other, but wow, do we act like it? Do we not talk negatively about each other? Do we pray for each other? Do we watch what our eyes see? Do we live by the word of God? We don't bend the Bible to fit our lifestyle, but bend our lifestyles to fit the Bible. Uncomfortable is okay. Uncomfortable with your children is okay. You can't mold our homes around the world, but mold our homes around what God has called us to do. If we talk like the world, if we dress like the world, if we think like the world, tell me, how are we set apart from the world? The t- world is trying to convince us that we should do what is right for ourselves, that there's no clear right or wrong. We should be living our lives that everyone around us knows that we believe there is only one true way that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And there is no other option. Compromise is what breaks up families, it's what gets them away from their value and purpose. One small compromise in what we allow our children to do is just the beginning of a roadblock that's being built and built and built with their relationship with Christ. It allows small footholds at a time, and that's what begins to pull the family apart that God has set apart for him. I do know this, though. No matter where you stand right now, I absolutely believe that family is a long-term investment, that we don't, don't just have children or get married and we automatically know what to do and we are able to just take off and fly. But there are times when we go through things, there will times when we need to get back with God. And so no one stands in judgment. None of us should stand in judgment of where a family is right now because it is a long-term investment. I have been a family in crisis and I have felt the judgment. When I could've really used some encouragement and prayers, that is not what I received. If you're feeling like a failure today because of a family situation, let me just reassure you, you are anointed to be the parent of those children. There's no mistake in the people that are in your family. And prayer can change any situation. It is not too late ever. It is not hopeless. God is always ready. And sometimes it's overnight, praise God. And sometimes it's over time, harder to praise God. Trust God. Put your family in his hands. Hold on to the promises that God is not a liar. In fact, there's a scripture that even tells us exactly what we need to do in Proverbs. It says, direct your children in the right path. And as they get older, they won't leave it. Hold on to that. God is not a liar. If He says that in His word, He means it for you. He means it for your family. Even when you don't see it with your eyes, begin to believe it with your heart. God's path requires work a daily yes to Him on your heart, a daily yes to the plan He has for you. And it may go against what people say is the right way to raise your family, and it will be hard but it will be the biggest joy you'll ever have. There are three ways to ensure God's path for your family. Number one, pray, pray, and pray. Most important, be a person, be a couple, be a parent that prays. When, when, what, I, what I thought was an expert on parenting, James Dobson, which he's amazing, you know, when I went to his book, it, it didn't help with what my child was going through. And there was only one place to turn after that. God. And I have many times with all three of my children, because they're all three so different, and they all three require me to parent them in different ways, to go, okay, God, I can't just put them all in a mold. I I have to know how you want me to love them, that they're really going to feel loved, and how you want me to discipline them that's going to be effective for each one of them. It was kind of a, when all else fails, go to God. God when I really should have just gone to God first and say, God, help me in this situation. What I have learned though is not only pray, but pray to listen. Don't just pray to talk, pray to listen. It's not as important for us to tell God what's going on in our life, because he already knows, as it is to say, God, I'm here to listen to what you have for me. Number two, read the Bible. I once had a youth student say to me, what I admire most about my mother is every day when I wake up, she's at the, t- at the kitchen table reading her Bible. And she said, I love when I have time to grab my Bible and join her. Not just read the Bible, but possibly read it together. God speaks to us in so many ways, and through the word is one of them. It's pretty hard to complain that God is not speaking to us when our Bible's shut. We need to open his word. And we need to test this. Know that if you begin opening the word of God, that your lives are going to change. Your life's going to change. Your family's lives are going to change. And if you begin to apply it to your life, you're going to see a difference. And number three, be the example of obedience. Let your family see you trust God. Let them see you set yourself apart. They will not follow a lifestyle that you talk about They're gonna follow a lifestyle that they see you live out. Every person has a purpose on their life. We've all been commissioned by, by Christ. If you've accepted Christ, you aren't done, and believe it or not, this relationship isn't just all about you. The Great Commission in Matthew says, if you'll put that up for me. Matthew 28, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is for every person in here who has accepted Christ. It's not if you feel like it, but it's really saying, this is what I've asked you to do. And the awesome thing is, is he's equipped you to do it and all of us to do it in so many different ways. How has he equipped you to do it? Are you living out the example? Get involved. I mean, VBS is coming up. Send your child. Be a volunteer. Get involved. Send your kids to teen camp. There is nothing like teen camp to change a child's life. I believe in teen camps. Well, you're sitting there maybe saying, what if I'm single or an empty nester? Let me tell you this. Always be adopting. We have a policy in our house. We're always adopting. Not legally adopting. <laughs> We're always inviting people over. They need this. Bring them into our home. They need a meal. They need a friend. They need, they need a parent. Always have those people in your life. I can tell you there are some single moms that they, they need you to stand beside them and say, how can I help you? Not how can I take over. How can I help you? Is there rides I can give? Is there a meal I can prep for you since you work all day? Hey, can I take your boys fishing? I notice they don't get to go fishing a lot. Always be adopting. Become that family that God's called us to be. You are needed if you are still breathing, which I pray you still all are. You have a purpose. God's not done with you. What God can do through you when you know your individual identity and your family's purpose. There was a time in my own life when I know that God was bringing me to a a time where he was saying, you know, I want you to choose what path you're going to follow. Because I very much know that there was a path that the enemy wanted me to follow. And there was a path that God had laid out for me. When I was in high school... Um, it w- was my senior year and I was super involved I was that girl so I was um, the class president and I was the drum major of the band and I anything I could get involved in I was involved in because I loved to be involved and I loved people so I was involved in everything I could be but around September October of my senior year I actually found out I was pregnant and in that moment all of these dreams I had, I had this career I wanted. I had this college I wanted to go to. I had all of these dreams. And for the first time in my life, I was like, I don't have anything. I knew, I knew it was going to change the rest of my life in that moment. And I knew that I had no idea what was going to happen. And I felt the most hopeless I had ever been in my life. And the guy, the father of the baby, was young. He was also a senior. And he didn't know what to do either. And, and when I told my parents, they were heartbroken. Because I grew up in a wonderful Christian family. And in fact, um, my parents had never had anything like this happen before. And they were crushed. And I just remember laying there and I just heard my mom crying and crying and crying. And my dad just grew distant and quiet. And my sister was angry. And in that time, I got so sick with the first part of my pregnancy. And I wasn't even able to go to school for about the first three months. And all I could feel was my family being torn apart and torn apart and torn apart. And all I knew was it was my fault. And here's the thing about when a Christian girl gets pregnant. It is not just, oh, it's fine. Oh, you guys need to get over it. It is guilt day in and day out. And that's exactly what the enemy wanted to do to me. And every day I'd wake up and I'd say, God, forgive me, forgive me. And then two minutes later, I'd say, God, forgive me, forgive me. And I just felt the weight of that guilt all the time. And I just laid in bed and I was so sick. And I didn't want anything to do with the father of the baby. I didn't want him around. I didn't want anything to do with anyone because I was so miserable. And he also grew up in a Christian family. And the only way we thought we could start to fix this is we got married in our senior year. Not a good idea. (laughs) We had no idea how to be married. And so now I was with him and I kinda hated him. (laughs) And it's because I kinda hated myself. And it wasn't going well with our marriage. And on on my wedding day, actually, everyone just cried and it was not tears of joy, and I kept saying all on my wedding day, God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. Not what a girl wants to be thinking on her wedding day, and I just remember the first time I did go back to school, because I would come home, and they had an IV was the only, uh, that they would hook up, because it was the only thing that was keeping nutrition in me, and um, I went to school and I just went to two classes because um, that's all I needed to graduate. And um, I w- the very first time I went back, we had what we call senior hall and all the seniors would sit up and down it. And it, you had to take that main hallway to get to any of your classes. So I walk in and go to my locker and I start I'm dreading walking down the senior hall and I start to walk down it. And it's usually you know, like 100 kids just loud, loud, loud. And I start to walk and they all just got quiet. And I just walked down the hallway, and it was just pure quietness. And I was just, don't cry, don't cry. Get through this class. And that night, I came home, and I was so hopeless. And I just went and laid on the bathroom floor, because I was throwing up again. And I just laid there, and I just began to sing an old song that I had heard in church, just as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, Jesus. And I just kept singing that over and over, and it was just a time in my life when God came down, and I felt like he just held me. And when I had no one else, because they were all dealing with a pain, God came to me. And I am the one who did not deserve it, because I am the one who brought this. And he said, I don't care. I love you, and I'm here for you. And that's when my relationship with God really began. I was a Christian before that, but I was half in. And in that moment, when I felt like I had no hope and no one else, and God said, I'm here. I'm the one who's not gonna leave you. And from that moment, I had the strength to go and do everything that I needed to do. And in fact, it it didn't get all better at once, I just had a rock to stand on. And when, um, when it came time for graduation, they actually asked me not to walk the line because I was so pregnant. And uh, my parents actually went in and fought for me so I could walk the line at graduation. Gave birth to my daughter five days after graduation, and I have never experienced love at first sight. You know, people say that about their spouses, but I had never. And the moment I saw that baby's face, I said, "I can do this. That that baby is mine, and that is a gift from God, and I can do this." And she became my world. And I would hold her just all day long. And she became my hope. I knew Jesus had given her to me. And there were times, many times when I would hold her because it was going so bad in my marriage. And I would I'd just sing to her, you're my sunshine, my only sunshine. And she is what kept us. And my husband was in love with her just as much as I was. And although we didn't get along, that baby was everything to us. In that time, um, Brian was actually uh, invited to a men's Bible study, and it was all elderly men. And he went to it, and every, uh, once a week at six o'clock, they met, went to this Bible study, and his heart began to change. And he began to, to really get to know who he was in Christ and who Christ was. And through that, like I just began, now that, now that I'm here, I can see, like as I was loving God and as he was loving God, like we just began to get closer and closer, and closer. And now we've been married for 22 years. But I very, very much know that that's not what the enemy had planned for me. But because God is so good when we don't deserve him, that he provided a path for us. Now fast forward. 20, 18 years later, we're taking that same baby girl to college. And we're sitting there and I'm having a hard time because I'm about to leave that day and leave, and leave that baby girl at college. And I'm sitting there at Evangel where she goes to right now. And I was just, oh God, help me. I got to leave this baby now. But I know he has plans for her that he had to be there. And In the middle of the worship time that they had there, they began to sing all these amazing songs, all these up-to-date songs, and suddenly the worship pastor stops and goes, you know, as the deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you, and then just goes into a completely different song. And in that moment, God says, you know that moment when you're laying on the floor hopeless? That moment when you're like, I don't, my life is nothing now, I don't know what to do. God said, I was thinking about this moment when your family was successful. Right now, where you are, if you feel hopeless, God's got you. And he is thinking about the time in your life when you're going to come through this. And it's going to give him glory. Life changed when I found my identity, my value, my purpose in Christ. And it changed the legacy of my family. See, once upon a time, there was a girl who found her identity and worth in Jesus, the end. Or not the end. Maybe it was the beginning. It's when I really started to live. And I know that's not what the enemy wanted. I know the enemy may have wanted for me the same thing that happened to my friend Beth, who was pregnant in high school a year before me. And she just wrote on Facebook the other day, and it really intrigued me. It said, because of my high school pregnancy, I will never look at my community and my religion again the same. She is now an atheist, and she refuses to go back to the community where we lived. And I, I was humbled in that moment to go, God, that could have been me. But because of your grace, because of your grace, it is not. I thank God that he met me in a time of need, and it wasn't all wonderful at once. See, my family went from for sale to ask for me in my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Not because it's easy, because it's not easy, but because it was worth the fight. Right now, I'm going to ask if you would just stand with me and the prayer teams begin to come up. I know there's some in this room who are fighting. They're fighting, and they're in the middle of this storm right now. May not believe it, see it with your eyes, but God has you. Just begin to believe it in your heart. And some of you just want to pray more purpose on your life. I'm just going to ask you, have the courage to walk up here today. To declare a, a God path over your family. My very first day at First Step, I walked in, and I went into one of the rooms. And on the wall, it said, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And God immediately said, do you remember how you felt in that moment of despair? That's how every girl who walks in here feels. Walk beside them. Man, God didn't forget about me. And I gave him every reason to forget about me. God hasn't forgot about you. He sees you. He knows you personally. He has a plan for you and your family. You are not forgotten. It is time for us as Christians to know the power of God, to know it. Not just say, God has power, but to say, in my life, God has power. In my family, God has power and begin to fulfill the purpose that he has for you and your family. I'm just gonna go into a time of a moment of prayer and then please begin to come up and have prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for families, Lord God. We thank you that you have built us to be a part of other people's lives, Lord Jesus. Not one of us have you forgotten, not one of us do you not see when we go through storms, Lord. But you hold the power, Lord God. And I pray today, Lord Jesus, over each family here. Lord God, may you have your way. May we put our trust in you. We love you because you first loved us and the mighty grace that you put on us. You are an amazing God, Lord God. We just ask that you be in our lives today. and every part of our lives. Every closed door we have in our lives, Lord God. We open to you.